Now this one is typically used where the end user is looking for the fastest installation commissions as quickly as possible. It's the fastest commissioning because it basically the, the systems come so complete that when you take the container unit and you uh, and you crane it off and, and set it on the concrete pad, it's a pipe connection in, it's a pipe connection out, and it's a power connection. If everything stays properly within eight hours, most of our units are ready for immediate commissioning and for and placed into operation. Uh, we're, we're basically looking at Veramod as the brand name for our line of pump stations, which is about the most boring thing on the planet. Literally, pump stations move water from one level to another level higher. Uh, pump stations are clean water, lift stations are dirty water, and we've got a growing business in pump stations with national accounts growing. Why? Because ours are super durable. The million plus pump stations in America are all falling apart, and we are now replacing the entire installed base. We're the preferred choice for so many customers today. And welcome to the CEO briefing. And it's going to be another uh, fantastic, really amazing one. As I was teasing earlier today, we got onto a, a major podcast and yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. The, 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 the host was very, very acute and did a lot of work to improve the podcast upon publication. So let's anyway get started. And here we are with August 3rd, briefing number 222. And water is the people's asset, the usual safe harbor statement and regulation D disclaimer. All right. What is reverse osmosis anyway? We talk about it a lot. I thought you might want to know what is reverse osmosis. So what is reverse osmosis? Let's take a look. Here's a container. It's got two sides. On the right side, we have water, just plain old water. And on the left side, we have salt water. And here we have a filter in between. And the filter lets water through, but not salt. And that's called a permeable membrane. This is just a very simplified example. Before we can understand what reverse osmosis is, we have to understand what osmosis is. And osmosis comes from a Greek word called push. It just means in chemistry that there is a push from one side to another. In this case, you've got salt water here. It's got a whole bunch of little particles of salt and there's no particles of salt on the right. So what nature tends to want to do is keep things balanced. It wants a bunch of salt over here in the pure water and in the salt water to make it all even. Well, this filter doesn't really let you do that. If we just poured salt water on the left and pure water on the right, eventually they'd all balance out and just be less salty water. But this filter is not letting us do that. So this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a flow of water from the pure water into the salt water area. And what's going to happen is something like this. You're going to start getting more salt water and less pure water. Because nature is trying to make it all even. And you'll find that this new liquid here has less salt in it. That's what osmosis does. In reverse osmosis, what you've got is pressure here, pushing this salt water through this filter. And of course the flow changes and it goes in this direction. And what you get is more fresh water and less salt water. It's just reverse osmosis. And that's what it is. These filters here in our trailer truck contain reverse osmosis filters. And this is a diagram explaining how that works. But of course, we're not cleaning salt water. What we're actually cleaning is just dirty water, stuff that has particles in it, dissolved solids. And we're making, getting rid of the dissolved solids and we're getting pure water. And that's basically the concept of reverse osmosis.
we have Ivan Anz, who I think Ivan has been traveling. I think he was in Argentina. Uh, hello, OC, missed you. 2023 will be the best year ever for Origin Clear in the waters of the world. So exciting. Philanthropy Investors was, is, and will always be here supporting you to achieve water exactly as it was when humanity came to earth. Pure. Very cool. Thank you, Ivan, and welcome back. Fortunately, we have telephones and you're able to keep in touch, but uh, it's it's a lot of exciting exciting stuff happening. So let's keep moving here. Visual Capitalist is a great site because it, it takes a lot of geeky data and puts it on maps and charts and so forth. And this one, this particular one shows the global water distribution. Such a tiny percentage of it is fresh water, but out of all the 3% of global water, only a net 1% is available as drinking water. So um, there's actually 30 times as much in the ground, but that's being overused actually. So the 1% is not enough for what's going on right now. All right. And then interestingly enough, uh, 80% of our ocean floors are unmapped and unexplored. That's kind of cool. Now, 70% of the world's fresh water is used for agriculture. Uh, remember, I've been telling you that you know 90% of all water is used by industry and agriculture. In America, for example, it's about half and half between industry and agriculture. But overall, like in a place like Somalia, the, the, water, the fresh water used for agriculture will be dominant. People consume less than 1,000 cubic meters of water a year. Let's take a look, though, at how it varies. In the U.S., it's 1,543 cubic meters. The United Kingdom is less than one-tenth of that in terms of total withdrawals per capita. Now, these are withdrawals not just for the personal use of the people, but also for agricultural, industrial, everything. So obviously, it's counting um, the overall water usage, including industry and agriculture and personal use against people. And interestingly enough, the United States has gone down it's right here in this uh, next chart right here. United States has gone down by 30% in terms of use. United Kingdom has gone down by 46%. Very interesting. So there's actually a chart here, which um, the, the the animated chart is perhaps more interesting. Let me pull that up and kind of show you uh, what I mean with this. So yeah, so if we look at this chart here, it's it's interesting. It's kind of counterintuitive. Like why would Sierra Leone be using you know, 61% less water. It's strange. But as you can see, United States, uh, water withdrawals have gone down per capita. Uh, China's remained pretty flat, which is interesting. This map shows us these are the the, the smallest users, uh, including Luxembourg, looks like. And then we have others like the UK, Mongolia, Somalia. And then we have kind of rest of world outside of the US and Africa. And here as we get into heavier and heavier water withdrawals, we have Argentina with Mexico, Cuba, Australia. It's hard to, India, it's hard to tell what unites these. And of course the US, I think that's, if I'm wrong, I think that's Kazakhstan. Uh, yes, that's Kazakhstan. And then here we have nothing in the over 2000 meters, cubic meters. So interesting stuff. Let's take a look at the hidden inflation numbers. Now, as you know, I've been talking a lot about inflation over the last couple of years, and it seems like you know supposedly inflation is under control, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's take a look at the real numbers. Again, visual capitalist, and it shows an interesting chart here. First of all, what's rising? Hospital services, more than 200%, college tuition, <laughs> medical care, child care, food and beverage, and housing. So if you're unlucky enough to need to go to the hospital, if you're unlucky enough to have to live in a home, or to eat food, or to have your child taken care of, or send your kid to college, you've got a problem. On the other hand, new cars, neutral is new cars, uh, furniture, and clothing. And then seriously down is cell phone services, software, toys, and TVs. Well, of course, software is something that just basically as it scales up, it gets less expensive. But televisions, that's because of globalization, right? And again, um, cell phone services got very competitive. but we can live without these things on the bottom. We can't really live without the things at the top. And so arguably, you know, when hospital services more than double, that's a problem. So here we go. The uh, Kenakoa the Great, as a 
Twitter uh, account that I follow because they were very good with the Twitter files. And they have since 200% plus on hospital. I mean, look, basically everything that's worth anything is up. All right. Anyway, so just to tell you that inflation is not dead, and this is a key reason why uh, the water on demand service contract to service companies on the meter is very, very attractive because it caps inflation rise because we can control it, of course. Let's take a look. Oh, you know, I've talked a lot about um, Miami-Dade County. Well, it's showed up in the news. Here we go. They got a problem with trash called Mount Trashmore and overflowing septic tanks. Here we go. Septic systems that are, many of these are front yard sewage tanks that overflow, releasing fecal bacteria and all of the wonderful things, toxic swamps. There are 108,000 homes and businesses with septic tanks in Miami-Dade County. Why? Because they're, it's a problem because the human waste is within two feet above the groundwater. And there's 50,000 more in Broward County. I've talked about this a lot. And the city wants to spend $4 billion Six billion, eight billion, ten million, whatever it is, billions and billions. And then on top of it, homeowners will still have to pay to connect their properties to sewer lines at twenty thousand dollars on average. And it, it's more logical to just give homeowners a rebate to install their own blackwater recirculation system, which itself will cost less than twenty thousand dollars. So it's a very logical solution: decentralized water treatment to replace septic tanks. You say, well, why aren't you? making representations to Miami-Dade and so forth. Well, A, we don't work with individual homes. It's just not our business. And B, we don't work with governments because we can't hold our breath that long. Let that thing work itself out. We deal with the people that want it now and can give us a purchase order and get on with it. That's how it is, unfortunately. These are crises decades in the making. For years, Miami failed to address warnings of a sewage calamity even since the federal government levied massive fines in order to fix, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the story. I keep talking about it, infrastructure falling apart. And this, this is uh, the obvious situation. We got in the news, um, uh, Information Week uh, had an article about data centers. Data centers use a lot of water. In fact, they account for nearly 2% of total electricity use in the country. A single uh, data center is almost 7 million gallons of water a year. More than half come from potable water supplies, which is not great. And of course, once it's used, it ends up as wastewater. Now, we said uh, use more recycled and non-potable water. And while some of the water in data centers uh, simply evaporates, the rest is discharged to the local wastewater treatment plant. Instead, these companies could be treating that water right at the point of use and reusing it. And that, for example, Google is doing it. Amazon is starting to do it, and data centers in California, Virginia, Singapore, et cetera, Microsoft. We know that PepsiCo, for example, which is not a data center, but it's a large food and beverage user, has committed to 80% recycling. So it's on the way. All right, let's take a look at this cool geopolitics and empire uh, podcast that I was talking about. This is uh, an excerpt, so it's just part one. Here we go. Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Riggs Eckleberry, who's a nationally renowned entrepreneur dedicated to revolutionizing the water industry, which has reached a critical breaking point in recent years, despite being essential to the planet's survival as the founding CEO of Origin Clear. That's OriginClear.com. Riggs has developed innovative solutions to help businesses face rising water bills by tapping into new investment Markins, he's even pioneering the development of water stable coins, a cryptocurrency backed by water assets. It's uh, great to have you on Geopolitics and Empire, Riggs. Everybody, it's such an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, we talked not long ago uh, on my TNT radio show, and uh, I think this will be an even more in-depth treatment about uh, water and the work that you're doing. I think it's a, it's a big and important topic. And uh, I think I need to dedicate more time on the podcast to discussing energy, resources, minerals, you know, water. And I do believe that access to clean water is an increasing issue. Uh, in Mongolia, where I used to live, we'd get our water from wells, we'd have to filter and boil it constantly. You know, that was the way of life. Uh, just an interesting anecdote. Last year, I was in my home of Croatia and the clean water demand just keeps rising. And I noticed uh, they cut our water for a while because they had to install these massive water pumps in their neighborhood 
that uh, I learned later run on diesel fuel. So every day they got to be feeding diesel fuel to pump the water uh, to our homes in Croatia because it's mountainous. And then you think of how much energy is required just to get that water going. And then here in Mexico, we get our drinking water, a lot of us delivered. So think of what happens if the system collapses or stops. I mean, this is very fragile and the cost keeps rising. So maybe, you know, to identify the problems first, uh, Riggs, you know, what can you tell us about the, the water problems, the, the, the issues and, you know, as well, especially related to clean water? Yes. Well, the golden age of water was really symbolized by that massive New York, uh, it's called the Delaware system, which is a massive water aqueduct and piping system that was built by Italian masons back in the early part of the 20th century. New York was famous for its clean clean water, just beautifully pure. And there were a lot of projects like that. You know, this, this was the era of Hoover Dam, for example, giant uh, central projects. Unfortunately, starting about, you know, post-war, about 1960, that stopped and we started getting into just maintaining what was there. Operation and maintenance costs for our infrastructure have risen steadily since 1961, while the actual replacement or or expansion of those assets and modernization has not been happening. And it's now showing up, you know, in these situations like Flint, Michigan, and I could name a half a dozen right off the bat, but we still think water is kind of being taken care of okay, and it's just not so. That's across the board. I mean, I think that's great how you identified that. We have the same problem with uh, electricity. I've had uh, experts on either my show or podcast who talk about you know the, the electric grid. It's the same situation. It's just being maintained. There's no more uh, modernization, upgrading, development, and uh, the same thing can happen to the electric grid as it can with the with the water in the uh, United States and. What can you tell us about, you know, for example, there's talk about water running out, uh, scarcity, uh, you know, what's going on there? Yes, we're over pumping water uh, to a great degree. We've heard a lot about the uh, Colorado watershed going down into all the Western states and creating droughts. And um, but but what's less known is, for example, the Ogallala Aquifer, which is which is the central United States, which is much of our produce is produced in the middle of the country is running down as well. I think it's at least 150 feet down from where it was. And it takes hundreds of years, you know, replenishing groundwater, you don't just pump it into the aquifer, it has to seep in. And if you're overdrawing it, it's, it's going to cause a catastrophe. I recently covered what's going on in South Africa, where uh, wealthier people are paying money to have their own bore wells dug, and they're getting water, it's costing, you know, let's say $5,000. But the real problem is, is now everybody's over pumping the water in South Africa and it's not being centrally managed. There are models for good water management, but it's not being done in America. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's like mead out in uh, Vegas. I used to go to Vegas often because I used to have family there and you'd notice the, the the levels going down. And, you know, I'm I'm frank with my views that I don't believe in the theory of man-made global warming. But there are people that go to one extreme where they say, uh, you know, there, there's it's all a lie and we've got all this endless energy. I don't think that's true uh, either, That as, as you kind of laid out, that people are overusing, even if it's renewable, we can overuse the renewable uh, resources and then, you know, we're, we're out of water. And it's the same principle here in Mexico. You just mentioned South Africa, you know, people who have money uh, dig wells on their property and get access to it, but still uh, water uh quantity is becoming an issue what about the the quality of of water um uh, that you, you know you mentioned flint but uh, you know wh what's the trajectory or trend is the, how bad is the the quality of water getting yes and there's a very good um organization environmental water group ewg.org if you go to ewg.org slash tap water you can put in your zip code if you're in america and it will tell you okay here's what the regulations are and i would say Virtually all of the locations are compliant because they have to be. But then it shows how it's, you know, 5,000 times the level of what science since then has determined. And the regulations haven't kept up. And here's the biggest reason why. The municipalities, the utilities have a hard enough time keeping up with even minimal demands for, for example, the arsenic levels and California got or were made more challenging. That just became a major issue for the uh, the utilities in, in, in uh, California. There's 150,000 water utilities in America, some of them very small. 
And they're just not equipped to deal with the realities of modern toxic chemicals, including one of the toughest ones of all, which is Roundup glyphosate, which uh, I believe now uh, more than 90% of Americans have glyphosate in their system to some degree. Um, and your system can support a certain amount. I had my levels tested a while ago and because I ate organic, I was at the level of a European, right? In other words, not much, but it adds up. And uh, one of our partners uh, is actually an MD in uh, Wisconsin, and he sees farmers come off their farms with glioblastomas, with, with brain tumors caused directly by oversaturation of the Roundup. So this is a real problem and it's not being filtered out. There's, you can obviously remedies at home, you can and should do that. We can discuss that briefly, but what it really comes down to is why is the system overloaded? And if nobody's going to pay for it to be built, built up, then what's the remedy? And that's where we come in. Yeah, just real quick, if you could mention them regarding uh, the the remedies at, at home uh, regarding if people want to you know protect themselves from the glyphosate and, and stuff like that. I'd be happy to just you know cover that briefly. First of all, I'll just take the example of we moved into our condo. This is behind me is Clearwater, Florida. We we escaped LA in June 2020 and came here. We're super happy. The west coast of of Florida around the Tampa latitude is is just fine. It's wonderful. Anyway, so what we decided to do with some, we were given some advice. We went ahead with a whole condo ultrafiltration system, not expensive. It takes things down to 0.2 microns, which takes care of things like the forever chemicals, right? Does not take care of the glyphosate because that's smaller than that. Under the sink, we installed a reverse osmosis system with a remineralization step and a pH rectifier so that it would remain it tastes smooth. It's got that high pH mouthful, mouthfeel to it. And that is absolutely pure. RO is as good as distillation. It completely takes care of everything out. Now, by the way, you, reverse osmosis as an industrial scale process is very wasteful because the tremendous amount of reject water uh, comes out as brine. And that that is part of the part of the drought problem, but I won't get into that. So on a spot basis, RO makes sense as we did with the uh, under sink system. And then for our shower heads, my naturopathic doctor advised me to get a shower filter that was designed to take out the glyphosate because he said that, you know, your skin is absorbing this stuff in the shower all the time. And that um, the one we got I don't represent the company, but it's uh, I got it on Amazon Max Pro Max One, Max Pro Max One is one that that does the job. So that combination of three things, and you're pretty much set. And it wasn't too expensive. Yeah, I, you know, I, I used to have the the I may I may have even had that shower filter, but you know, I left and came back to Mexico, and I I think I need to. I hadn't uh, put back the filter, so I got I got to get back on uh, that. And then, what about cost? Again, in general uh, of water, my guess is that it's in general um, increasing uh, here in Mexico. The utility is it's it's a public utility. The cost is still pretty low. Uh, it's I guess there's a slow trend of uh, increase, but the the cost of the water we purchased, the clean water, the private from the private companies, it's absolutely skyrocketing in terms of Mexican pesos. Uh, and then, you know, just in, in, in the US, I mean, inflation and the cost of, of, of clean water, how's that looking? Well, first of all, water rates have been skyrocketing at far greater rate than inflation over a period of time. I think 10 years, it's like triple inflation. So what's happening is because the um, utilities are underfunded, they basically lost access to federal funds, which were generous in the 1970s as grants they basically dwindled down to almost nothing and became loans. So that wasn't very helpful. And then the states may or may not have the funds to do things. Of course, there's a bigger problem, which is as you get expansion of people and industry and agriculture, you want to build new sites. But you know, here in my county, it's completely built up. Where is it? Where are you going to put it? There's the NIMBY problem. And so as a result, even if they had the money, they, they wouldn't be able to expand. Okay. The water rates have been increasing. There's a very high percentage of utilities, uh, customers that are either running behind on their water bills or delinquent, which doesn't help the utility. And eventually they have to cut them off. And now the person who got cut off is reduced to buying water the way you do it in Mexico. And that's much more expensive. So 
It's a vicious circle. It doesn't work. Our solution is very different because industry and agriculture make up 90% of all water demand. And we're talking about freshwater demand, but also the demand for sewage treatment, which is just as important. You got to treat the dirty water too, right? Um, otherwise, it comes back to haunt you. Now, the, the ratio between industry and agriculture varies. In the United States, it's roughly equal. Place like Somalia, it's 90% agriculture, 10% industry. But, and I'm just talking rough numbers here. The, the stats are on world and data if people want to take a look. Uh, freshwater demand, just look under that. You'll see all the, uh, all the stats. 90% of the demand is industry and agriculture. Well, if you have an underfunded program and you don't have money for it, you know, if you're overspending on your credit cards, then stop spending, right? In this case, let's reduce the load. Let's take the burden off these central systems. And the good news is that it works very well for industry and agriculture to do their own treatment, to become self-reliant. It works out very well. Number one, they can lock in water rates with a service, a long-term service contract. So now they don't, they're not, they're not at the whim of the uh, utility. Number two, they can recycle. They can get more than one turn out of the water, which reduces their water bill. And in places like California, that's huge. I mean, I know of residential users in California, they have a $12,000 a month water bill. You know, now big house, but still it's a lot of money. And the third thing is, which is less obvious, is they have less interference from the city or county because they're meeting a requirement and they're, they're recycling and then whatever's left over, they're just dumping into the groundwater, fully treated, and everybody's happy. So that is decentralized water treatment, self-reliant water treatment. And I've been talking about this since 2016 when Lux Research came out with a webinar that documented the, the rise of decentralization and the stats behind it. And I became very excited about it. I started writing articles in water trades. And I was kind of a prophet in the desert for a long, long time. Now it's accepted. So in 2018, we decided Origin Clear um, because we're, we're a, we incubate businesses. So in 2018, we uh, created a business called Modular Water Systems, which is essentially a downscaling of the utility grade water systems into a box that can go into a brewery, uh, car dealership, um, RV campground housing development, et cetera, and just, just drop it in. They just have to have a pad, plumbing, electricity, and the thing comes in, gets dropped. We have some videos that <laughs> demonstrate this unbelievable. In six hours, the thing's done. It's fully self-contained. That's a necessary ingredient, obviously, for decentralization because you got to have the tech. And then secondly, we uh, innovated during COVID something called water on demand because the space we work in small to medium businesses is not, does not have the capital that PepsiCo has. And the big corporations have done just fine in the last three years, but smaller businesses, they have to pay attention. And so water on demand basically lets them sign a service contract and not pay the capital expense for the water system. And what we put in place was basically a system a lot like oil wells, where they have these master limited partnerships and uh, investors, regular investors like you and me can go into a master limited partnership and receive royalties. In the energy uh, uh, space, it's tax advantaged. We, we make it advantaged a different way because the uh, tax advantage is only in energy. Um, so what we do is we use the same structure when we add a big equity bonus to participate in Origin Clear and what on demand. So long story short, water is now coming out of government monopoly and is becoming a private activity funded by investors, mostly accredited investors, although from time to time we have a crowdfunding initiative, and going out to companies that want to do this and want the technology, but also want the capital help. And that's what we're doing. We're very excited about it. We're ramping up water on demand with acquisitions. And it's an interesting space because we're not the only ones. Uh, this concept of water as a service is not new. In fact, um, one of the longtime players is now known as Seven Seas, and they they do desalination plants for entire islands on a private metered basis. And but here's the difference: they're funded by Morgan Stanley Capital Partners, 
or rather Morgan Stanley Infrastructure Partners is the correct term. Uh, another company in the space is called Cambrian, very good company. They're funded by venture capital. So not open to regular investors. We have decided to focus on the regular investor. And what we find in, uh, this is true in America, but it's true in a lot of places, people who have a little bit of money, but not a lot, don't know what to do with their money. Stock market, I have no idea. Is it going to go down, up? The other day, you know, gold shot up. I didn't expect that, right? So, and then uh, XRP, boof. But, but you know, we're, we're not in that loop. We're not getting that pre-IPO stuff that the favored people get. And so, what we decided to do is, as water is becoming a unicorn type space, I mean, literally in May, a unicorn was created with some MIT technology. So it's becoming a billion dollar private, billion dollar private companies are starting to happen again in water. So as that's happening, we are, want to make it possible for everyday investors to make a, an investment and get a good return, generational return on their money, just like an oil well. And we'll go right into business bros. What about uh, the water you've been drinking? That's what today's episode is all about. If it's something that you're passionate about, like me who drinks a ton of water, then you're going to want to listen to this one. Let's get started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look. Here we go. Today we have a visionary guest who's revolutionizing the water industry with innovative solutions for clean and abundant water everywhere. He's the CEO and chairman of Origin Clear, a true disruptor who is transitioned from the tech world to becoming a leader in the green space. So join us as we explore his journey from driving tech success to empowering local communities with compact on-site water systems. Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Riggs Eckleberry. Riggs, welcome to the program. Thank you. I literally took a bite as that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta eat, man. You gotta make sure that blood sugar stays as as well as it does. Otherwise, you might end up like me losing your hair. Oh wait, it already happened. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh, let's jump into this. I want to know uh, right off the bat. There's so many different things going on around the world. We take for granted the fact that we have clean water coming out of our taps, clean water that we can drink. How did you get into this space to begin with? Tell me a little bit of a background, how you got here. Yeah, it's, it's a really weird story because I loved the whole dot-com. The 90s was, I mean, I started in high tech in the 80s, but really in the 90s, it shifted where computers were not just for computing, but for communicating, right? And I just fell in love with that. And uh, so I had a career throughout the 90s and into, and into the 2000s, you know, helping software companies in the high tech space. And it was, it was a ball. But at some point, my, my, uh, my uh, false modesty caught up with me, and I decided I wanted to be a CEO. And that, uh, people I was talking to said, yeah, you can be a CEO, but it's not going to be in tech. And at the time, they thought that algae was going to be the next biofuel. Mm. And so we started a company that originally was, was called Origin Oil because algae was the original oil. Just so you know, oil didn't come from dinosaurs. It came from vast amounts of algae that died and then became fossilized. So um, the idea is to recreate that process with fresh algae now. And we had a great run until the cost of crude crashed because of fracking. And all of a sudden, it was not, not much sense in having uh, algae biofuel if, if it was you know five times the price. So we then had to decide what we we're going to do with our life. And uh, fortunately, our technology was really good at taking algae out of water, but also sewage out of water. And that's what we flipped over to. We renamed the company Origin Clear. And then we got into the water industry. And whereas, you know, I mean, algae was great. I was on CNN. I was on Fox Business. I was on everything. Get into water, crickets, nothing, right? It turns out that People kind of take water for granted. That's the truth. Yeah, it's isn't it funny? I remember the algae phase. Uh, back then, we had, I mean, 
and I talk about it today, how when I was uh, in high school, I got my license and I remember paying a dollar a gallon for gas, whereas uh, today it's, it's just gone astronomically high. And I remember the algae thing right around the same time you started to hear things about putting a French fry oil in your car as well, like right. different modifications that were going on at that time. So yeah, it was definitely a thing. Um, and it's funny how business kind of moves in different directions where you have an intention of going into business in one thing and then all of a sudden markets change, demand changes, and you have to shift your business over to a new model. What was that transition like? I mean, I, I can imagine you you talking about how you're gonna fuel the next vehicle and then all of a sudden you're like, no, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna have clean water now. What was that transition like as a business owner to shift the vision of your company? Well, am I allowed to have a true confession on this show? Absolutely. Because the 80s was very hard for me. I launched a company in New York City with zero capital. It was one of the early outsourced um, IT firms that since then, everybody's got them now, but it was very early back then. People were just transitioning out of paper into computers. I, it was very hard and I, essentially a lost heart. I was like, you know what? This God, it's not going to get anywhere. I gave the business to my best salesman. He eventually became a multimillionaire by simply continuing what I had started. Because what I didn't realize at the time was, it's really hard to create, to introduce somebody to computing in the first place. But once they're in, you have a multi-year relationship. I, he, my, my, my uh, good friend still has customers that we opened while I was there in the 80s. He still has customers now. Think about it, that's a 40 year uh, life cycle that he has, he's, He's been collecting fees the whole time. The point I'm making is I could have pursued, I could have persisted, and I could have adapted. And instead of, ah, yeah, hell with it. And, and so I had so many, many adventures, but that was a learning experience. So when it came to this algae thing, it was like, okay, let's just, let's just make our, our decision on the spot here. Let's, let's move on. You know, we could have stayed in algae and played around with algae supplements and this and that and the other thing. But we felt that the big opportunity was not there. So we just made the transition. Fortunately, we have very, very good investors and they supported us. And I, I'm so glad we did. So let's dive into your business itself. Uh, the water industry has been going undergoing significant changes. Um, some of the marketing in, in water has been amazing. I, one of the things I like to talk about is liquid death. Uh, the way they have dominated the water industry uh, literally by taking what we were already drinking and selling and sticking it on a cool looking can. It kind of it just redefined the way things are going. How did you identify your need for like local industry involvement in, in managing water supply problems? Okay, well, the first thing you got to realize is 90% of all water use is by industry and agriculture, right? Only 10% is consumer. So yeah, liquid death has got a great things going and it's a great margins and it's all good because there's a lot of bottles sold. But the big business, the really the trillion dollar industry is on the industrial side, right? Now you're saying, well, it's not glamorous, et cetera. Fine. But let me point out to you that the disasters happening in places like Flint, Michigan, Compton, California, Fort Lauderdale, uh, a dozen other communities all over America is just the beginning. Water quality is going downhill. The, the groundwater is being polluted by leakage and by just messy people just dumping. And we think of ourselves as, as an advanced country. We were. I mean, we built the Hoover Dam. We built that huge Delaware reservoir system for New York's water, which created the best water in the world. New York water was famous. Not so much anymore, but it, it, it was huge. So all those projects happened before 1950. Unfortunately, after that, people just kind of got on with their life, right? And so from 1960 onwards, you have a steadily rising graph of operations and maintenance. What does that mean? You're putting more and more people into trying to keep it going, and you're not making new stuff. You're not building new infrastructure. And you end up paying more and more money. It's like keeping your old Toyota going, even though the radiator is leaking. You, every 40 miles, you stop and you pour more water into the, into the radiator. Well, that's not that doesn't work long term. And that's what's happening in water is that there's not enough money being put into it. And as a result, water quality is going downhill. We can talk about, you know, what's what's in your tap water right now. Um, and there's some great 
information in that area. But most importantly, we have to do something and it's not going to be fixed by throwing billions of dollars at infrastructure and nobody's doing it. And our solution is take all those industrial and agricultural customers, take them off the grid, unload the grid so that it serves the people, right? Uh, water is free in Ireland. Why is it not free in America? That's ridiculous. Well, it's not free because there's a lot of load from industry, which we can take off. And by the way, they love it. They love the idea because they can recycle, they can, they can uh, be safe from inflation, they get less regulatory issues. It actually is something that works for them. So that's what we're in the business of doing. So uh, helping New York get that clean water probably is the reason why their pizza is so delicious. Or so from what I hear, I've never actually had New York pizza other than the New York style pizza that's here in San Diego. Uh, but it definitely has a, has, a, has a piece for it. Okay, so water is big in the agricultural space. So I'm going to ask you a, a direct question. Who is Origin Clear targeting? What is the purpose of your company and who are we going after as a customer base? Right. So there, so what I'm talking about is it's, it's a trend called decentralization, right? Just like in energy, people are starting to generate energy in their own homes with solar panels. Similarly, businesses can now treat their own wastewater and not have to rely on the city. And that is called decentralization. Now, we're not the only player. We got, for example, PepsiCo just committed to doing 80% recycling of their water. Well, you can't recycle the water unless you treat it yourself. If you send it to the city, you didn't recycle it. So that means they're building their own system. So there's big players, all the pharma players, um, chip manufacturers, uh, food and beverage like PepsiCo, energy players. They're all investing in their own water treatment. And that's the very high-end stuff. That's the billion-dollar deals. We're focused on uh, your local brewery or a, a housing development or a car dealership or an RV campground or a trailer park. These are, you know, between $500,000 and $2 million, which we have the technology to drop these cool modular systems, boop, drop them in, plug them in, off and running. And all they need is a janitor on site. They don't have to have a water expert. So all of a sudden they're treating their own water, but they don't have to have giant resources to do so. That's us. So I feel like there's a, a giant learning curve that you have to overcome. Because when I think of water filtration, I think of massive plants that are put together that bring in lots of water, that go through this whole process. There's no way in my mind, conceptually thinking, that you can do that for an RV park or that you can do that for a local local brewery. Like what are the – talk to me a little bit about the technology. Why is it so capable now today for us to be able to have that – in a small business like that and why would a small business want to invest in that kind of capital to do something like that very good question well as you know there's no such thing as an overnight success right correct well dan early our brilliant uh inventor and chief engineer started doing this stuff 20 years ago when nobody'd heard about decentralization and what he developed he, he invented these patents for these water systems in a box and it basically downscales those huge utility-grade systems down to, they can, to a point where they can fit in the corner of the brewery, you know, 200 square feet, you're set. And he also set it up so that it was essentially self-operating with the remote controls, with very robust process. And so literally, the local business does not have to have the water experts. Now, secondly, you brought up capital. Very good point. Who has a spare million dollars floating around for their water system, right? So the second part of what we do is this wonderful thing called water on demand where they can just sign a contract and they get the equipment without paying for it and they pay on the meter like they're accustomed to with the central utility. And that is water as a service. It's coming along fast. We're one of the players. So combining our modular water technology with our water on demand that's a marriage made in heaven, and it works so that we have a steady stream of customers, and if necessary, we help them with finance. Otherwise, you know, whatever works, we'll do it. But the important part is, it's drag and drop. It comes in on a semi, and they drop it on the pad, plug it in, and it's off and running.
And following that is a little saying here that I saw on the internet, therefore it's got to be true. There's a little Barbie in us all, microplastics. That is cute, very cute. But I'm gonna just, I've, ta I've taken some, um, there's been some good uh, comments that I'll pick up on. First of all, Arnold, Arnold, is there any attempt to force farmers to develop their own reservoirs on a grander scale? Well, we need more reservoirs for sure, but uh, doing, doing a reservoir takes hundreds of millions of dollars. First of all, there's a permitting process that is daunting and no farmer is gonna be able to go through that. So I agree we need more reservoirs, it's just not farmers are gonna do it. Here's the bottom line, government's not helping. We don't have enough reservoirs. So we had a lot of rain this winter, You know, all the water levels rose, but we, most of the water went into the ocean. And next year, unless we have more of these, what they call atmospheric rivers, we're gonna have back, we'll deplete the water again. We don't have enough reservoirs. So we gotta deal with the situation as it is. The first step is to recycle. That's where that's at. All right. So, but thank you for that comment, Arnold. Oh, and by the way, Ivan says, and Philanthropic Investing is there to solve this issue with a blockchain solution. And now we come to the free willing discussion. No flickering. I know I had to uh, look. AJ, call me. AJ. You, you are, you, you know, what I love is your green screen has this like stomach acid co color. It's, yeah, it is kind of like. Pepto-Bismol after you. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, pretty gross. Oh, no, Pepto-Bismol's pink, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, but the, 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 the we'll point fix is it. that- We'll fix it for next time. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, we're just going to have to send you back to post-production school. Yeah. No. <laughs> I have a day job. Because because we're just doing this because, you know, it's a lark. Where's my martini? I want to chill and hang out. Martini? No, no, you don't get martini until you finish the briefing. No martinis till the no. <laughs> Otherwise, they it gets interesting. Then it gets like um, right. It gets like the the um, what is it uh, 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 the ball drop event. It'll be like um, those two guys that got that got hammered and started. Yeah, never mind. Anyway. Well, not, you start thinking you're much more interesting than you are. That's yeah, the, and this is among a conversation of two guys that don't drink. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So um, oh, it's kind of like an old Dean. Old. Yeah, like an old Dean Martin roast, exactly. Like an old Dean Martin roast. Yeah, there you go, Sky. Yeah, somehow he kept it yeah, going. So, so um, I, I I was trying to cover the the comments, and Arnold had you know Arnold, Arnold has the right and he has the he has the right idea that this is a crisis. And it's not a crisis that government is going to solve, folks. Look, if government was going to solve it, it would have been solved 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, the, water is being polluted at, you know, upstream. If you deal with it upstream and recycle the water upstream, then the loads or, or the necessity for it to be dealt with in this urgent matter uh, down at the city level where we are um, is ameliorated or even eliminated. So um, this is an upstream problem that's we're going to and and and. As Riggs said earlier, our customer is the guy who wants to buy it right now, right? He we got no to, demand issue, that's for right, sure. There's no demand issue, right? And you're also not to, trying to persuade some government committee, right? Um, who, you know, okay, great. Thank you for your proposal. We'll get back to you in three years or five years or 10 or ten years or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, the, the private sector always has and always will solve the problem. We just have to have faith in, in our ability to execute and scale, which fortunately, when you provide a profit motive to investors to do that, Bob's your uncle. Having said that, um, I'm very happy with how things are going. We um, The 10Q will come out on the 15th or thereabouts. Uh, we usually take the extra uh, grace days because we can. But so what does that say? That says that not next week, but the week after, we will be able to discuss, I hope, the, the quarterly results. And Tom Nichols, when do you think a token will start in the market? A token will start in the market when we don't have to rely on the SEC liking tokens, which is a problem right now. We are very, very reliant on the SEC blessing us. Believe me. And so we, we think tokens are great. We're not playing in that space for now because we would like our main business plan to proceed. No, and 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 truthfully, this works, you know, and, and until it's globally scaled, this works perfectly 
because um, financial technology such as Amazon and Uber and all that was 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 developed long before there was any tokenization. So the mechanisms are in place to 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 move money, you know, kind of seamlessly. Um, now, private residences, private housing is the question that Joseph wanted to ask. So, Joseph, um, one of our pro one of our recent projects is a housing development. Um, you know, so mo when I say single family houses, a lot of them, this is close to my heart. I love to develop property, right? And I've been talking about this 50 acres I want to buy in my own town. There, there's, there's literally millions of acres of absolutely gorgeous property that is too costly or too risky for um, construction companies to develop or developers to develop because the access to sewer would be would require um, excessive permitting or, or digging, you know, or, or easements to get around other communities or just perking each property to the tune of millions and millions and millions of dollars. The ability to drop one of these systems as a full black water recirculating, I, I think you would call that uh, a membrane bioreactor uh, rigs, mm -hmm. tertiary level, right? So essentially what you would create is a private, a private sewer utility right at the location. So something, let's say you had 50 homes, you could basically do something that the average home uses about 150 gallons of water a day. So um, if my math is correct, 20 or 30,000 gallons a day would be more than enough to handle the entire, the entire community. And you could recirculate that water and reuse the gray water for irrigation of the grounds, filling the pool and a variety of other things. And I, I think that this product line which we already have developed. It's not. It's not a. This is something that works. Um, when you add financing to it, I think it's going to be. A, a, I think it's going to be um, a gold rush for um, high end property, higher end and and maybe even affordable uh, property uh, development. You know, affordable housing property development as well. So stay tuned on that. Yes, and if you do want to buy a home system, uh, you can you can actually get one from Fuji. Fuji Water has an excellent home black water recirculation system. But I believe this best done at the level of the Homeowners Association. Okay, well, I think we're there. And it's been a good little briefing. Thank you all for joining. And, um, you know, we're, we're just, there's exciting things happening behind the scenes that I can't even discuss. But if you're interested in knowing what's going on and you're accredited, then you should get with Mr. Ken Berenger. And he has the full picture on investing options. And you should schedule, schedule a call with him. Hollywood says, I have a 20-unit apartment complex with no water. I need water in order to rent. There's a wastewater disaster for three years in the Arkansas local county is not making its priority. I'm looking to build a well. Cash flow is tight. Land value extremely high. I'm very interested in this product. That's great. We generally don't play with well digging. Uh, we deal with the wastewater. That's our specialty. Wow. You need water. That's crazy. This is what's going on with Central. You know, you know in, in Arkansas, in, in the United States of America. Amazing, right? And she says wastewater is a main problem, too. Contact us at water at originclear.com and you know we can we can go we can look at that. All right. Meanwhile, take talk to Ken about investing and please fill out your Zoom survey. It really helps us with information. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all. It's been such a pleasure. And have a great weekend, everyone. Have a good weekend, guys.